Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So I would like I'd like to start by reading John 9 4. It says we must work the works of him who sent us while it is day. The night comes when no one can work. Yeah. So preaching the gospel is urgent. We don't want to say if I only had, right? Mm -hmm. Tell that person Jesus loves you. It's as simple as that and it will start a conversation. Yeah. And you will be able to tell them that God is not out to clobber us for our sins. In fact, he himself died for our sins, that we might live. Amen? But now, I would like to take us, if you could all please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.1. 2 Timothy 3.1. And today, I would like to bring out the importance of doing a word study. What do I mean by that? I mean where you actually look into what each word means. So, for example, I don't know how many of you have a phone with uh, WhatsApp on it, WhatsApp and all that, but you can download um, Strong Concordance, you can download eSort. These are apps that are free for you to download and that help you to go to the original meaning of the words. Like, we know that the English is a translation of the original. And sometimes things can get lost in translation, all right? But I trust by now you have found 2 Timothy 3.1. Are you there? So it says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's why we really want to reach people before it's too late. Amen? Mm. So this is the Greek word tuto. And that makes something very emphatic, like this. This is it. This. There's no ands, buts, or ifs about it. It's not that there could be some other interpretation, no. This, this is it. Mm. And then it says that. So that, oh, so this no. First we'll go to the word no. So this now is something that you must know. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is raising his voice saying, you need to know this. You must know this. And then comes the word that. So now it's pointing to what it is that we must know. Okay? So in other words, we have to absolutely know this. So in the last days, it says in the last days. Now people have been saying for years, in fact, for 2,000 years, we have been saying it is the last days. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people shrug it off. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before, you know, the last days. Yeah. But if you look at Acts 2.17, Acts 2.17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, are we in the days when everyone can receive the Holy Spirit if they so desire? Yes. yes. 
We are in the days when he will pour out. And when did he say he will pour out? And it shall come to pass in the last days. So we are in the last days. In fact, we have been in the last days since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out. Amen? So some call this age the church age, the age of grace, but the Bible calls it the last days. Amen? Amen. So where, what period are we living in? The last, the last days. days. And it has already lasted for 2,000 years. All right? But now the word that's used for last here is the Greek word eschatos. And that indeed, that means the very, very last. See, now I can, I can walk. I can take steps towards the podium, right? But there will come a time when I can take no more steps. I have arrived there. This is it. I can't go no further, right? And so that is the meaning of the word last. So you will come to the very end, the ultimate end, where you can go no further in this age, right? So the very, the last days. It's as far as you can go. So that's the word that is used. So now, we know now that the Holy Spirit has said, this, you must absolutely know that when you have reached that very last point, when you can go no further, amen, then perilous, or as the word says, calipus, days shall come. So what does that mean? This word perilous is only used two times in the Bible, and in one place, which is this place here, it is translated perilous. But if you will turn to Matthew 8.28, we can see, because like when you have a word that's only used two times, you need to look in both places to get the interpretation, to get the understanding, because obviously you can translate, it has a deeper meaning, and you can translate it either this way or the other, right? So Matthew 8.28 says, And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. Now this is the word exceeding fierce. It is the word fierce that first is translated perilous, and now here it's translated fierce. So that no man, no man might pass by that way. So we saw now it's either perilous or exceeding fierce. So what does it mean, exceeding fierce? What does perilous means? mean? It means very risky, it's dangerous. In fact, this Greek word was used to describe very dangerous dogs, dogs that were very ferocious, savage, brutal, very evil, that if you would get near them, you would most likely get hurt. You would get bit. They were untamable, uncontrollable, terrible, wild, and vicious dogs. So that was the, the word there. Now, these two demoniacs, they were so demonized that when they came out of the tomb, it po posed a risk to anyone near there in that region. In fact, there was a road that went all the way around the Sea of Galilee. But on that side of the country of the Gadarenes, 
people were afraid to pass by that way. They needed to go, but they were afraid to go because of these two demoniacs that were in the tomb, that when they came out, they were like exceeding fierce. They were like savage, brutal, brutal, violent, ferocious. So you could say that, <clears throat> so they were treacherous, dangerous, untamable, uncontrollable. So you could say that they had come to an impasse. An impasse is when you can go no further. This is like you, you feel trapped. It's like you, you don't know what to do. You don't see a way out, right? So, now if we take that translation and impasse where you feel trapped, where you see no way out, it's exceedingly dangerous, vicious, fierce. If you take that into 2 Timothy 3, 1, where it says, this know also that when time I forgot to tell you, but that word last, it was also, uh, like they used it in, in uh, the Greek language for when you reached, reached, like when ships would sail, when they reached the last port, when there was no more port to go to. So we could say that when we have sailed to the last port in this age, when there is no further to go, then perilous days shall come. So it seems um, it'll be a, a period in history filled with risks, treachery. Treachery is like when you're betraying someone. You betray your relationships. You're not faithful. You, you just easily put it aside if something else comes along that you think will benefit you more, right? Potential harm, danger, it's an impasse. It looks like we can't get around it so big Things have changed so much. It looks like there's no way out for us. And it's just in front of us. We feel trapped. And feel, people will feel that they have hit an impasse. Like, this is it. No, what are we to do, right? And then it said in the scripture we read, it said, the perilous times shall come. Perilous days shall come. This, the Greek word for that, is an istomy. And en means to be in, and estimi means to stand. So you compound the two words together. It means to be standing in the middle of something. You're standing in the middle of something. You're surrounded on every side. Everywhere you look, you see it. You feel like you're encumbered by it, trapped by it. And when you see that, you will know that you have come to the end of the age. So first of all, because you feel surrounded by treachery, nonsense, nonsense and craziness, such harm and hurt in society, <clears throat> nonsensical thinking, you'll feel like you have hit an impasse. So actually the words shall come it's it's not a good um, it's not a good translation because it actually means to be standing in the middle of something. It's more like you'll be surrounded by all this craziness, all this nonsense, all this that's going on in the world. Amen. So it says that if you feel you are in those times, 
then you probably sailed to the last port in time. You're probably there. So now what we are told, so we have to understand this word last talks about the very last slither of time. See, right now, I see my destination. I'm coming, I'm coming to the podium, I'm coming. It's the, this is it, the very last slither. So this is what the Bible says about the age we are living in, right? It's like, and what I said before, when the Bible said, when the Holy Spirit said this, it's like emphatic, this, you have to know this, you must know this, okay? So we know that because perilous times, risky, dangerous, treacherous times will stand all around you on every side. Society is being modified. And because of the modifications morally that are happening in society, we are going to see more people hurt than we ever imagined. People will be hurt by moral confusion, gender confusion, people doing things that they can't reverse, mindsets being affected and changed, people changing what they believe, even many in the church beginning to adapt themselves to the new environment. They are more concerned about social justice than they are preaching the gospel. Tell me, why is that bad? Why is it bad that they are more concerned about social justice than preaching the gospel? We live in a fallen world, right? And we can try to rearrange things a little bit in this fallen world, but is that gonna be the solution? Only the gospel can give life. We must prioritize life. It is a matter of life and death for the majority of the people in this world. Yeah. So if we preoccupy ourselves with moving this here and moving that there and fixing this and fixing that, it's still trapped in here. Yeah. We need to get out of the trap. And only Jesus Christ can get us out of the trap. And that is why our preoccupation should be preaching the gospel. Work while it is yet day, for the time comes when no man can work. Time is short. We have already seen many signs of craziness in the world today. It's not something that we can't imagine. It's very imagining, very easy to imagine because it's right in our face. Amen? So. Now, we can read 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy 4.1. It's a 4.1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So even here in the church, in the last days, there will be people departing from the truth. People will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So let's look at that word, give heed to. So that actually means, it kind of means like you turn your head in a different direction. You've been facing forward, facing here, and now you turn your head and you give attention to something else. So something new. They were holding on to one thing, but something else came along, and Paul said that something else would be seducing. 
It's like enticing them away from what they were holding on to. So now the devil is not going to show up with horns and the pitchfork and his staff. He is going to, to be seducing. He's going to lure. He's going to tempt. He's going to give the false deception, deceive. How did he deceive Eve? If he would have told Eve, the minute you eat this, you're going to die, you're going to suffer stuff you've never dreamed were sufferable, all of this. No, 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 no. He said, ah, mm. it's, look, look how good it looks. It tastes, it must taste delicious. And you will be higher than you are, better than you are. Was it true? No. But that's how he works, through mm. deception. And he hasn't changed his ways. So we, nowadays, we've got to be very careful that we do not get lured away from the truth. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That we don't begin to change our minds, begin to adopt to the new truth, so to speak. Be on God. Be careful. But only the word can keep us. Only Jesus Christ can keep us. Amen? And it said what? Doctrines of what? First of all, let's do the, yeah, I forgot to give the definition of doctrine. It's like a well-packaged information. And right now, in today's world, we are being inundated with information of PR, the media, uh, the entertainment, education, and one thing after another. And what they're doing, they're repackaging information. By the way, did you know that um, there is a library being set up in a school in Strand, and for that purpose, somebody donated to us a full encyclopedia. I think it was a 10 or 12 volume encyclopedia. Very good condition and everything. We brought it to the school, and guess what? It's more than five years old. We won't have it. Wow. Repackaging information. Do you know that history for our children is being rewritten as we speak? Sure. <laughs> and that's now. So they're going to bombard you, bombast you with to get your attention so that you begin to think, ah, well, maybe it is so. Maybe that is a possibility. Maybe I have been wrong. But now we are forewarned, amen? Yeah. We are forewarned, amen. Now, uh, so we said of devils. Paul said that behind all of this would be devils. It's not God. All this new thinking, all this adapting and adjusting and whatever all behind it, the devil is working behind that. So in the ancient world, the, the word, it says, daimoi, how do you say devils? Demons in English? Daimoni? No, daimoni. Okay, whatever, demons. It says that the ancient world believed that demons produced mental madness. Mental madness. People have lost their minds. If you look at the world today, you will see it looks like people have lost their minds in the name of sophistication and being progressive. But there is an answer. We can turn to 2 Timothy 3, 14, and then 16 and 17. But we'll begin in verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14. And there we'll see what Paul said 
to Timothy. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. So it says, Paul said, continue. So we are to stick to what we know to be true. Amen? Just because everybody else is losing their minds doesn't mean we have to lose ours. So we also cannot be so open-minded that our brains fall out. Amen? We need to keep use our brains. We need to think. We need to stick to the truth that we know. And we know that Jesus Christ is truth. Amen? We know the impact he's had in our lives. If it was dead, there would be no impact in our lives. But we know the truth. So we are to stick to that. Now in verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now the word inspiration of God, uh, the Greek word is, the first part is, it's theo, neustos, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't really pronounce the Greek word, but it doesn't matter. But the first part of it, theo, means God. And the second part, nistos, it describes a spirit. So, it's, so what it means is that inspiration by God's spirit, this, the word is breathed by God's spirit, right? And spirit, you have that Greek word spirit uh, in Genesis 1, where it said that the spirit of God hovered over the waters and God said let there be so we see that God's spirit has creative power amen God's spirit has creative power and that now that is of course the Greek Septuagint which is a Greek version of the Hebrew Bible and we are now looking at the Greek words so this is the word taken from there not the Hebrew but the Greek version amen and then it says in the, the, the another, so pneuma, in other words, I'm, I'm showing three different interpretations of that word. And the second one, it was used by the Greeks to, per, to describe a perfume or a fragrance. So if you wanted to buy a perfume, you would ask for a pneuma. And when you take the lid off, you smell the fragrance, right? So your whole house and home would be filled with that fragrance. And the third, it was used to describe music that was created by putting your breath through an instrument like a flute. Any instrument where you had to breathe through that would produce music. But until you would breathe through it, it wouldn't produce music, right? So the word for that music was also called pneuma. So now, so let's So now we see the idea of the word pneuma is creativity, fragrance, and music, right? Those three. So now if we take the Bible and really devour it, if we take it into our home and we take the, like, no matter what mess you have in your home, 
if you really take the Bible and you really use the Bible, it can recreate, it can restore, it can fix any mess whatsoever in your home, right? But you must use it. It's like with the same with the fragrance. It's like the fragrance of heaven, right? But if you don't unscrew the cap of your perfume or press, you some in some way let it out. If you don't let it out, you won't get the benefit of it. It won't change your atmosphere. It won't change the smell. But so it says that this, the word of God actually has to change the smell in your home. It has the power to change the stink in your life. It can overcome that stink, overpower it, get rid of it, the word of God, right? And then thirdly, if you don't like the atmosphere, if it says that the scriptures carry the music of heaven, the sounds of heaven are in the scriptures. So you can actually, if you will begin, read it out loud, speak it, pray it, voice it, then you can change the atmosphere in your home. Amen? Amen. So this word, inspiration of God, means that God has put his breath, his creative power in the word. He has put the fragrance of heaven, the sounds of heaven in his word, right? And so everything we need, he's put the music of heaven, everything, the creativity, the, the um, sounds, the music, everything is in here, the fragrance, it's here. It's right here. In other words, here, right here, is everything we need for life and well-being. It's right here in the Word of God. Amen. But, so some people say, oh, I wish God would move in my life. Why doesn't God help me? Why doesn't he do something? But he has, but this is the way he wants to do it, through his Word. I don't know if any of you know the story of Aladdin's lamp, but it's uh, from the Arabian Nights. But Aladdin had this magic lamp, and the genie would come out, but the genie didn't come out unless he would rub the lamp, unless you rub up against this word of God, unless you really call on it, it's not gonna come out. The creative power, the fragrance, the music, it's not gonna come if it's just lying there. When that lamp was just standing there, nothing happens. You gotta rub it, you gotta really get up close and work on it, and then it will work for you. Amen? Yeah, up close and personal. That's right, Philip. So, now, it's amazing how Paul begins in 1 Timothy 3, he begins talking about how bad it's going to be in the end of the age. But then he ends the chapters, the book of Timothy, by saying, so you need to stick with what you know. You need to what? Stick with what you know. So, the word, okay, so we do know that this can release everything we need into our lives and more, but not automatically. We have a part to play. Now let's read 2 Timothy 3, 16 again. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
and for instruction in righteousness. Right? Now we're going to look at the word correction. Who here likes correction? We don't usually like correction, right? But when you see the meaning of this, you will like correction. So it says here, um, the, what this describes is an individual that has been knocked flat on his back by life. Have you ever felt you were knocked flat on your, on your back? I think we know people that really seem to be completely down and out, knocked flat on their backs. Amen? And that's why our ministry, you, you who have been here more than once or twice or thrice, you have the answer. You have the answer. You know the answer. You are in a position to help those that have been knocked flat on their backs. Amen? Amen. And that was the call Emily gave us last week. Do it. Go out there. Do it. Reach out. Help somebody. Amen? So now... So, for example, we can talk about being being knocked flat by what's going on in the world, in our kids' life, with the coronavirus in the world today, in our grandkids' lives, going in different directions, or in people's marriages. There's a lot of things in life. Our financial situations, there's a lot of things that can knock somebody flat on their back, right? But the word correction here literally means that the scripture has the power to take a person who's been knocked flat and put them back on their feet again. Are they able to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps? No. What has the power to pick them up and put them back on their feet? The Word of God. Let's all say it. The Word of God. You want God to intervene? You want God to come to your help? He has. It's right here. Now all you got to do is the rubbing. Get up and close. Get deep. Get into it. And it will work for you. Get Amen? Yes. Get up close and personal. So, just scripture. Just scripture has the power to put somebody back on their feet again. But you must cooperate. It mu you must give it your cooperation, your attention, your focus, and you must believe it and receive it, and you must let the fragrance out. You must take the cap off, take the lid off, let it flow, let it flow. You must play the music of heaven, speak forth the sounds of the word of God, and it will go to work for you. Amen? It's not, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to open it up, get into it, and let it do its work. Amen? So it says in 2 Timothy 3.17 that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Perfect means to bring into maturity. It doesn't mean that we perform perfectly, but it means we, come, we become spiritually mature. Do you see the need for us in this world, this craziness, this nonsense that's going on, you see the need for us to be spiritually mature? Absolutely. Otherwise, if we are not, every wind of doctrine will sweep us away. Like we said, we'll turn our heads and, oh, well, maybe I can go astray. Maybe this is. But that's going to lead to destruction because we have an enemy that goes about seeking whom we can make. Kill, how does it go? Kills, destroy, 
and steal, steal, kill, and destroy. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let him steal from you. Don't let him destroy you. And certainly don't let him kill you. Amen? John 10, 10. Thank you, Philip. So, furnished. It says thoroughly furnished. Now, this Greek word furnished is also borrowed from the world of boats. Now, picture this. You have two kinds of boats. You have a simple boat where you have the oars, right? You, that's the only uh, thing you have on that boat. You have the oars. So um, you, you can go, but you can't go very far. And if there's a storm, you can't weather the storm. And you basically always, the first sign of trouble, you basically always have to turn back. So it is a boat, but you can't go very far in that boat, right? So now you have the same model boat. We're talking now about fully furnished. You have the same model boat, but now the other model has been outfitted with an engine. It has been outfitted with sails. It has been outfitted with an anchor, and it's been fully equipped, right? Now that boat, that boat is now able to weather any storm. It will not have to go back. It is outfitted, it is equipped for long distance sailing in spite of the weather, right? Now, we could look at that as two Christians. It could even be two Christians in the same church. One has been attending, 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 but yet, because he hasn't really been taught the scriptures, because we have a part to play in being taught the scriptures, to take it to heart, to absorb it, to live it, to believe it, that's our part. So one may have not done that, and so therefore, they're not very equipped for life. They don't manage very well when troubles come. But another may have taken it very seriously, may have pursued it, may have gone after it wholeheartedly, and he is now equipped. He is now able to weather any storm that comes. He's ready for the long distance. He's not gonna be deterred. He's not gonna be stopped. He's not gonna be hindered. He doesn't have to go back to where he came from. Why? Because he's been fully furnished. He's been equipped. He did his part. He reached out, he received, he did the part that was up to him. He believed it and acted. And now he's fully equipped, fully furnished. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, now, if we have sailed to the last port in time, we know that there will be rough, rough waters ahead, right? What does that now mean? So. What did Paul say? So Paul told Timothy, stick with what you know. Stick with the truth of the word of God. That is your best survival technique. Stick with what you know. And I would like to add, take it seriously. Get equipped, take it to heart. Redeem the time. Because as we read already in, Mark, in John 9, 4, the days are evil, and the day will come when no man can see and work. Amen? Amen? So, so we hit rough waters, but if you are fully equipped, you're not, it's not going to be a problem. You're not going to lose your peace, and you know that it's going to pass, right? But if you don't, if you're not equipped, 
you better run, you won't make it. You're not going to make it if you're not equipped, because it's rough waters. Yeah. Right? So it says, but it says in 1 John 2.17, but those that do the will of God abides forever. So I want just to remind you of something. Have you read the crossing of the Red Sea? Did you ever read about Moses at the crossing of the Red Sea? They looked like they had reached an impasse. There was the Egyptian army on the back, behind them, pursuing them, and the Red Sea in the front, right? They had no escape. They felt trapped. They even said, why have you brought us out in the wilderness to die here, right? They saw no escape, and physically, naturally, there was no escape. But what happened? But God, amen? He opened the sea, and he got them to the other side. I believe that when we hit this impasse, Jesus will come. He will rapture us, and he'll get us to the other side. Amen? Yes. So we have hope. We have not been left comfortless. Yeah. So now I just want to quickly say, so you know, some people like to study about sport. They like to watch it, sit on the sideline and watch it. They like to talk about it, and so on and so forth. But in faith, in faith, there comes a time when it's time to play the game. Not just hear about it, not just study about it, not just talk about it, but to do it. So for us believers, there's a time when it's time to get on the field and play the game. A lot of people nowadays, they are already saying, but what are we going to do? But do you know it's wrong thinking? Because prophets prophesied about this age they were looking forward to this age. We are living, we live in it. We get to experience it. So we have the opportunity and God has equipped us. He has anointed us for this time. We are not just living by accident in this time. God has a plan. He knows all the plans he has for each and every one of us and they're good plans. So let us go into his port and let us allow him to equip us. It may take some of our time, but it is time well spent to get equipped. Amen. Amen. So now I just want to close with this. Well, first of all, I want to read you Isaiah 5.20. It says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And that's what's happening in today's world. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. All of the immorality and everything, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. People are so confused. They need to see Isaiah 60 fulfilled. They need to see the church arising and shining. We need to go out in the lost world, out in that darkness, and shine our light so that people may come to know the Lord so that they may be rescued before it's too late. Amen? So I just want to say, uh, any time, anyone know the time? Do I have two more minutes? Okay, I have another. Okay, that's great. So I just want to say now, I skipped verses, the verses uh, in 2 Timothy verses 2 to 5. I'll read it to you, and then I just, it says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. I'm sorry, remember now we are talking about what are the signs of this last slither of time, of the end of the age, right? 
And so this is what is being described. Remember in Matthew 24, 3, the disciples asked Jesus, what shall be the signs of your coming? Now, if you are traveling on the road, you might pass different signs that tells you these many kilometers from Cape Town, now these many, now these many, now these. But eventually you come to a, t a sign that says Cape Town. And once you cross that border, you're no longer near it, you're in it. So these are now some of the signs of that last slither of time. And I think we can recognize that we are not only near it, but we are in it. Amen? So the urgency to be equipped, the urgency to reach out to a lost and dying world is very present. Amen? Amen. So it says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. There's a lot of religious people that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't believe in speaking in tongues, don't believe that healing is for today, and so on and so forth. From such turn away. Amen. Don't follow that, or you'll be left powerless. Amen. But let's go, let's now look at these one by one. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. So now, are we just helplessly victims to what is going on in the world? No. We are here for a reason. So what we need to do, we need to teach people to love God and others. And start, if you have a mess in your home, start in your home. Mm. Teach your children, teach your teenagers, teach the people you minister to, to love God and others. And covetous, you know, that's when you hoard selfishly for yourself, right? So we need to teach people to be giving and to be generous. Learn to give. It's in giving you receive. The Lord blesses our giving. Amen? Amen? It says boasters. That means that people are willing to stretch the truth in order to fit whatever they need it to be. This is the removal of moral absolutes. It's our job to teach moral absolutes to our children and the people we minister to. There is right and wrong. It's not your interpretation of right and wrong. It's God's interpretation of right and wrong. And we need to teach that to the people we minister to, to our children and teenagers. Amen? Mm -hmm. Blasphemers. Oh, no, sorry. I, I uh, missed proud. So the Greek word actually brings out intellectually snooty. In other words, people who think, oh, you're stupid. You don't even know that. Thank God I'm better than that, you know. So we need to teach people to be humble, not to have such an attitude. Amen? And blasphemers. This does not necessarily mean to blaspheme God. If you think it means only to blaspheme God, then you've missed the main point of the word. The word blaspheme describes the disintegration of language, foul, rough, crude speech. We need to teach our children and teenagers, as well as the people we are ministering to, to be cultured and well-mannered, respectful, polite. Amen? Amen? 
So you see all, there are many things we can do. We can do something about it. Amen? And then it said disobedience to parents. So we need to teach parental authority and obedience to parents. Unthankful. So it says that it, we will have in these last days a strange period in time where people will feel entitled to what they have and they will be ungrateful. But we need people, we need to teach people to be thankful and to not take things for granted. Yeah. Amen? Unholy, we need to teach our loved ones and those we minister to a love and respect for sacred things without natural affection. And that is now uh, like between parents, spouses, parents and children. So we find the disintegration of families at the end of the age. We need, we need to teach people to protect the family unit and the church, and we need to provide ministry for our families. Amen? Truce breakers. This, is, this word is used for a truce or a covenant. So here we have the cancellation of a covenant or treaty. And the way it's used here, it describes widespread divorce. We need to help our church deal with issues of divorce and marriage. False accusers, here it's, it's translated, the, the word actually translated false accusers is diabolis, which means that devils are in the mix. We need to keep the devil out of our families and out of the church. Amen? What is one way we can do that? Just as a little sidetrack. It says only by strife and con only by strife commit contention. Like the enemy, if you have strife in your home, you are actually making an inroad for the enemy. Amen? So we can start by self-discipline, where we won't allow ourselves to be pulled into strife because it opens the door for the enemy. And we don't want to have disunity in the church because it opens the door for the enemy. If we allow gossiping and disunity and strife, then we are actually our own worst enemy because in the end it will destroy us. Amen? Incontinent. That means that everything will be out of control, uncontrollable at the end of the age. We need to teach people discipline. Amen? Amen. Fierce. This describes that at the end of the age, things will no longer be cultured or well-mannered, but savage, and that it will be widespread. We need to teach people to be kind. Amen? Despisers of those that are good. So we need to teach people to love that which is good and moral. Traitors willing to betray or break a relationship for no good reason. This is a lack of valuing relationships with other people. We need to teach people the importance of relationships. And that's what God wants with us, relationship. That's just an indication of how important relationships are, and especially our relationship with the Lord. But the world will seek to destroy even that. Don't let him. We are forewarned. I'm almost done. Heady, reckless, fasting decisions. We need to teach people how to think before they act. And I would say, look to the Lord. Pray. Amen? High-minded means to be puffed up, but this is also the word we get 
the word typhoon from. All of these things happening may look like total destruction. The sky may look very dark, but as fast as the typhoon comes in, it is gone. Amen? So they will be here, here, and here, but soon gone again, all these evildoers. We need to teach people to look unto Jesus and not at the circumstances. Look unto Jesus. The outlook may not be easy, but the outlook is great. Looking unto Jesus. Amen? So lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We need to make sure that people love God more than they love their pleasures. So now, if you were wondering how to minister to the lost, you have just gotten a big job assignment. This is our church, our job as believers. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, which means that we are to pass on the king's standards, the king's rules, the king's will. Amen? Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.